you know, like um, when I initially uh, realised that I was unwell, everything unravelled in my life. Um, but it was going to happen anyway. Um, the yeah, realizing that I was unwell and getting the help uh, because I I knew I was unwell um, helped me get my life back together. Whereas if you are denying that you have issues, your life's going to fall apart anyway, man. And if you don't think you got a problem, then you're just going to go angry and bitter and people will cut you off and you'll hate them. But they'll have every right to cut you off because you're being a douchebag. I'm Michelle Edwards. I'm the author of a novel called Chronicle of Endings, but I want to continue the conversation. It's a conversation about the different endings we face across the course of our lives, and ultimately about all the beginnings that open up after. I want to speak to men because men don't always have the place or the permission to talk openly about their difficulties the way women do. But I want to speak to women too, because we are all the same human beings trying to navigate the same universal human experiences. Mostly, through these interviews, I want to have the opportunity to speak directly and openly with you. Each guest's experiences will allow you to reflect on your own about the endings you have faced and the ones you are yet to face, the mindset and actions which brought these people through their difficult times will, in turn, speak to you about your own. Because whether it's a novel, a podcast, or just two mates finally speaking about things that matter over a beer, words Words have the power to change people, to change their lives, to change yours. So, can we talk? Hi, Ash. Hi. (laughs) Okay, so this is my friend ash and we have been friends since the seventh grade which is a long time now that's been a while things have changed haven't they didn't we go to primary school together point primary no no what primary did you go to i went to tower street oh shit well there you go i thought we were in primary together as well Um, and Ash and I are currently having a noon drink over Skype and this chat, <laughs> but Ash has a good, well, you know, I would say a good story, but I think it would be a valuable story for a lot of people to listen to. What do you think, Ash? I hope so. So, yeah. So well, I hope it's valuable for people. Uh, was in the army. Uh, went to Afghanistan. Came home, and uh, I was diagnosed with PTSD, and I fell apart. Life went to. Absolutely, um, they kicked me out. Um, of the army, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and uh, I learned 
sort of a, a few things to help my mental health. Um, one which I still do pretty much every day, which is woodworking. And uh, now I'm just about to restart my program to teach uh, hand tool woodworking to other veterans who were messed up. There are a lot of them, there are a lot of vets coming out of the army or coming back from Afghanistan and other places um, with a lot of issues like post-traumatic stress disorder. Yeah, there's uh, a worryingly significant amount. Mm. Uh, yeah, but it's not just not just us AJs either. Like, um, I'm open to coppers and fireys and ambos as well because, like, they have to deal with the most abhorrent stuff every day. I guess people don't really think about that, what they're going through over the course of their careers. Um, and yeah, they No, nah, because that, that shit doesn't make movies, man. You know, like all the war and all the gore and guts of war, that, that makes a cool movie and that gets it out in people's eyes. But, you know, what, what our emergency responders at home have to see is just as brutal at times Uh, when you think of car accidents and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. And you think that the support network within these kinds of workplaces, or at least the one that you were in, isn't necessarily available? No, it's not, mate, because we've gotten so worried about being politically correct and doing things the right way and and that, that um, it doesn't suit people with a mind like ours. Like, you know, we have... uh, a very rough mentality about things and and they're like, oh, you need to cope with it by, you know, doing something that most of us would just find just... Do you think that... Um, is it more like a, you know, suck it up and get on with the job mentality in, in, in the... Yeah. Art? Yeah, and like you know, we've got we've got our boozers and stuff, but you know, we've had the bad eggs who do the drinking and driving and and things like that, which that doesn't get policed. So instead of having you know somebody there who at at our at our units boozer who can take everyone's keys away and say, look, you know, you're not allowed to drink, drive. We have guard members at the unit 24 hours a day. You know, why not have the guard member drive them home uh, if they've had too much to drink, things like that, whereas they just have tried to stop guys sitting down and, and having a drink and having a relax together. So a lot of guys, as soon as you knock off, you just go your separate way and there's no one to talk to. And guys not really, the men in the army not really speak to each other about, about how they're feeling or how they're coping? <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I didn't. Yeah. yeah. 
I, that would have been. And, you know, there's a lot of guys like how I was. I know I didn't, I had no idea. You know, I only, um, I was forced to realise it when Ella turned around and said, well, if you don't quit this, I'm leaving you. I'm like, quit what? And, uh, yeah. Yeah, I I personally had no idea that I was going through all these things and I, I had no idea I was acting in such a bad manner. So for people who might be um, going through this and not becoming aware to it, yeah, what were some of the underlying symptoms of PT, P, post-traumatic stress disorder that you were experiencing that Ella brought to your attention? Um, well, it manifests to people very differently. Um, but for me personally, I, I have lots of nightmares. Um, and I was getting blind, absolutely blind drunk every single day. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I was, I was like that quintessential guy who was having nightmares and, and flailing my arms about and hitting Ella who was laying next to me in bed and things like that and waking up and yeah, it was just a bit, but yeah, like as a, as a, a fella, you just sort of like, oh, that's a bit annoying. Then you just wake up and go to work. At what at what point did it get bad enough for the army to say, okay, you know, it's time for you to go now? How bad did you actually have to get before they would? Before they would? Uh, I would have. I would have been able to stay for a really long time. Um. Except I got the diagnosis of post-traumatic stress. And as soon as I got that diagnosis, that was when the paperwork sort of started happening. And they, um, they just sort of sent me away and sent me a diff to a different part of the unit where I didn't see anybody. or And then... Um, I was sent to a, a place called the Soldier Recovery Centre, um, which was a really good spot. But um, I realised that they only sent me there to keep me away from everybody until I was formally discharged. But, yeah, they just... They treat you like you've just like you they can catch it off you and you're gone. Yeah. Well maybe but, if if you if you raise this to a lot of people's awareness, they might actually put their hand up too and say, you know, I've been this is me, I feel like this. And if half of the army put their hand up and said, I, I feel like this, I'm I I've been suffering in these ways, well they'd be losing a lot of Men. Yeah, and they just recruit more. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like they, you're just a number. So you're, uh, you're not. They don't give a shit. They don't care if you leave. They just recruit more. There's recruits coming in every day, and you know when their numbers when the numbers get low in the military, they put more ads on TV and get more people. So um, you're happy to go when when they said, Ash, here's, here's some paperwork, we're going to dismiss you now? Or were you angry? Devastated, no. I was devastated. Um, I don't know if you remember, but I loved it. It was, I, I absolutely loved it. Like, my big thing was, where else do you get paid to 
when you're on barracks, you just you you go and you exercise every morning. Then you have mornos, which is just you sit around and just talk shit with your mates. Then you go to work, which is can mean anything from bloody painting rocks to cleaning trucks to you know for me was practicing on our system and then you go home at the end of the day and you get paid really well and then every now and again you get paid to go out bush with a bunch of mates and shoot automatic weapons and you know set up troop flares and run around like fucking madmen. (laughs) And I I loved it. I thought it was great. I loved, I even loved the the parts that people hated, like going out bush. I, I thought going out bush was fun and, you know, an experience. It was hard. Like it, it definitely was hard, but so what? Everything gets hard every now and again. And, you know, you're still getting to shoot this bloody automatic weapon that no civilians will ever own. And, you know, these machine guns and all these things. And, well, that's cool. That's fun. Sounds like it like, was real. Much yeah, dude. Like, you know, and, and to shoot a like they're called a recoilless rifle, but um, I think they're they're known as like bazookas, like, you know, and and to to use grenades and claymores and, yeah, man, blow shit up. (laughs) Are you getting paid for it? So in hindsight now, do you look back and think, oh, you know, that that was pretty shit, but... I can see now that this was maybe for the best. To give me the boot? Yeah. Um, no, I I still don't. Um, I think if they let me stay and worked with me, um, I would have recovered much quicker um, and I would be a, a fully functioning member of the army again. But with the experience that I've got, so I would have been able to have the mental health experience there and integrated within the unit to help people. But, yeah, no, they're just dreaming like a... Sorry? Do you think that having seen what happened to you, other people in your unit or other people you knew would not speak up? Yeah, absolutely. Suffer in silence? I didn't, didn't, yeah, dude, I didn't want to speak up. Like I, yeah, I did not want to speak up at all. Um, yeah, but it was it was inevitable, and um, yeah, it got out. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't deny it. Yeah. Do you think? So what what became of your life after the? army cut you off you know what did that look like how did you navigate that just thrown out into the world with with what you were going through well i was living in a in an army house getting paid they gave me the boot and uh, my paperwork wasn't fully sorted by the time I got out. And I know that was my fault because I didn't do all the paperwork, but um, I was just trying not to kill myself for that stage. So that was 
to be able to navigate the insane amounts of paperwork that you need to do was just out of my realm of ability. So uh, we lost our house and lost my income. So we, um, we had our daughter at the time who was, she may have been one. And uh, we had to move into my wife's uncle's basement until, yeah, we got life sorted again. And obviously you're in a position where you couldn't just go out and find another job because you had to deal with what you were going through first. Yeah, I was in, yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, definitely no shape for work. I'm still not in shape for work. Like, um, I do odd jobs for guys around, but I have to work for friends because they know what my ability is and I can call them up one day and just go, look, dude, I'm having a bad day and they're cool with it. Whereas if you call an employer up and say, Oh look, I'm having a bad day. I won't be there. Yeah, they get like it's it's not it's not pretty cool. Yeah, and then they go, oh, when will you be back? I'm like, oh, I don't know. Um, I don't even know when I'll be able to get out of bed. You know, so like, um, yeah, I'm I'm far from fit to be employed still. Um, but I will get there. I have no doubt I will get there. It was take a minute. Well, what kind of symptoms do you live with now on a day-to-day basis? Panic attacks? Yeah, I don't really have too many panic attacks anymore, which is really lovely. Um, I used to have a lot. And um, the last one I couldn't control, I was hospitalised and um, there was a great doctor there who um, had a, a, a quite a good knowledge of what to do um, because normally uh, when I would present, they would just intravenously give me some sort of a diazepam-type drug. Um, whereas this guy gave... Sorry? Numb it away. And- yeah, yeah. Um, but it's fairly slow-acting, so uh, I carry on a bit when I'm having a real doozy. So I would often be carrying on like a pork chop in the emergency area while it's starting to kick in. Whereas this guy, um, Dr. Tim Devlin, his name is, he went, oh, yeah, cool. Just give this fella a, a as they call it, a, a wafer. And it's a, the drug was called Zyprex, is called Zyprexa. And it's a, um, apparently it's, a, it's for schizophrenia. Um, but you put it under your tongue and it dissolves almost immediately and it goes straight to your brain and just turns you off. Um, so ever since he gave me that, uh, I now have a prescription for it and it, it sort of works twofold because I'm not scared to have a big panic attack anymore because I now have that in my arsenal. And two, when I do have a big panic attack, I just take that five, like not even five minutes later, I'm out and I'm sleeping it off. Um, so, yeah, that's been a huge part of life for me. But, yeah, I still often have them. Um, but crippling depression is my big one now. Yeah. 
and all the joyous things that go with that. Yeah, that's hard. So what have been some of your best tools in your arsenal to cope with life and with these these symptoms that you're still dealing with? My woodworking. Um, so they, they, you know, there's a, a lot said about meditating and, and things like that. And um, very early on when I was learning how to do um, fine furniture making, I realised that I was um, doing a form of meditation which is called um, active meditation so like they teach people how to meditate while you're doing gardening and and cooking and things like that and um i achieve it by woodworking um every worry in the world melts away and all i think about is what i'm working on and it's the the best and you have this just this thing that you're making and you have you can create that's also you know really nice to have something at the end of it yeah yeah and then you know i don't i don't sell a lot but when somebody thinks enough of my stuff to buy it that's amazing it's it's such a yeah it's a massive boost to your self-esteem and your ego and, um, yeah. But um, the second guy I learned from when I was in Breezy, Roy, um, he's like a super-duper Zen master without actually being one. And one thing he said to me was, stop trying to get the project finished just enjoy making it enjoy the process don't worry so much about the end state right now just worry about each little part that will get you to the end state and enjoy that little part enjoy that little thing that you're doing um really valuable perspective a lot of people just want to get to something or finish something but you know, yeah, is also is the joy. That's what you what you want to be doing. <laughs> yeah, and you, you get a better product as well um, without trying to rush. You know, I get I get crisper dovetails when I'm not trying to rush the rhythm. You know, I just you just take your time and you make sure your marking out is good and you cut to your lines and. And you chisel out the waste, and and then all of a sudden you're finished, and you've got perfect dovetails, and you're like, "Oh shit, that's really cool." And uh, yeah, it's just it's lovely. Yeah, woodworking, without a doubt, is my my personal. Uh, my personal lifesaver. And you've set up this this program so other men can can do this too. Do you wanna do you wanna talk more about that? Yeah, well um, I guess I started it a few years ago at at the local men's shed. Um, <laughs> I used to keep me medals just in my undies drawer. And um, yeah, and uh, I decided to make a dovetail box to put me medals in, and I was like, "Oh, let's sort of be a bit nice here." So I made this box, and it came out looking all right. And um, there was a a bunch of Vietnam veterans there, and they were all like, you know. 
or if they were in the same position, like they keep their medals in their undies drawer or their tackle box or somewhere out in the shed and, you know, not somewhere of pride. And um, so I began teaching a bunch of the old fellas at the men's shed how to, how to make, like, hand-cut dovetails without their machines and stuff. And um, they were loving it. And I was like, oh, let's, let's do this. So I created dovetails for diggers. Uh, and I sort of, after a while, uh, it got pretty hard. I also wanted to have uh, females along to do the course because, you know, PTSD isn't sexist. And um, being a men's shed, they said no. Um, so, yeah, that made me kind of pissed off with them for a start. And... Um, I kind of went downhill in my own personal mental health and couldn't keep the program running. Um, but I'm a lot better now. And, um, yeah, I'm looking to restart it and um, have a – I've got a proper workshop to set up in now and I've just got to get everything together. Because obviously I used to just use all the men's shed tools. So now I've got to get all the tools together, build workbenches and whatnots. And, yeah, hopefully, well, I'm, I'm planning on running my first course in September. And then um, for 2021, I'm going to run four courses and, 2022, uh, run six, and then 23, hopefully run a course every month. Great. And we, we may as well put this out there now. If, if people want to take part um, and diggers or people from other other frontline workforces you know anyone who this is relevant to how how can they how can they become a part of dovetails um just hit me up on social media okay. and yeah there's a yeah that's one of the parts where i really lack is sorry very low-key casual, just um, give us a holler. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, that's it's one of the parts where I really lack um, is like, you know, I'm, I, I don't do it as a registered charity because the amount of work to become a registered charity is well beyond my scope. Um, like you need to have a board and all this, all this stuff, and I'm just like, whoa! I just want to make some fucking. I just want to do some woodworking, man. Well, that's okay. You don't, you know, you can just get to the heart of it and say, "This is what I'm doing." Anyone who wants to join me. Um, yeah. Well, that that sort of comes part and parcel with how you know how to get on the course. It's like, yeah, just sort of just hit me up. And uh, I'll keep you in mind, and when I've got a spot available, I'll pop you in. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to do you want to tell people where you're based? Um, just north of Ulladulla, near near Conjola, um, on the south coast of New South Wales. Um, but the courses will be run in Nelligan which is near Bateman's Bay um, on the south coast here. How long does it take to make a box? Uh, yeah. I, well, I'm going to bring 
I'm trying to bring the course down to three days. Um, so yeah, that's my big challenge at the moment is trying to uh, rein it in so we can make them in three days. Um, the soonest I've had a guy do one so far is eight. So um, we're going to have it look, it'll look more like, um, like I'm not going to teach the guys how to be woodworkers. I'm just going to teach them that they can. Um, you know, so teach them that they can do this and they have done this and then give them the confidence in themselves to go home and be able to get a crack on uh, on their own. And be a safe place where people can just turn up as they are and know yeah. that other men understand where they're at and that's cool. And they can also, yeah, I, no. you know, for people like in your position, you can still, even though your time in the army has has sort of been a difficulty in your life, you can still have some kind of pride in, in the fact that you have helped people during that work and what you have done, you know, for other countries. Yeah. Well, you know, um, I, I don't... I don't see my time in the army as a negative thing at all. I, I just see the way in which I I left the army negative. That's the part I find negative. But um, as I said before, I think I, I think the army is the best job ever. Um, I loved it. To wrap this up, what would you say to other people who have? you know, being in the different places you have been, either suffering or and not recognising it or have recognised it and might be at a real low point. What would you say to these people? Get help. And something that I find I've... I've been hospitalised a few times and I've found a lot of people when you do sort of group therapies, a lot of people are like, they'll pick me out and they'll go, oh, I haven't been through anything near as bad as what you've been through. And I think that mindset is a mindset that nobody should have um, you know, people get PTSD from a simple car crash, uh, or just you know, even a car accident where nobody get got hurt. You can get PTSD from that. You can. Um, we were in the Brisbane floods, and um, I was out at uh, uh, out at Grantham, and we were living on a. It's called Princess Avenue in Brisbane. We're down the bottom of a hill, just down from um, Lang Park, and our little apartment flooded out. And um, Ella, without a doubt, has symptoms of PTSD from that. Like even to this day, when it rains really heavy, she gets anxiety. Um, so. Yeah, don't don't minimise yourself just because you don't feel that you're worth it. If you've got it, you've got it, and you can't. You you, you just can't go. Oh, I haven't been through anything bad enough to have it. That, that doesn't matter. And then get help. And people that I've got. Uh, blood relatives who don't accept my PTSD and just get rid of them.
get them out of your life because they're only going to ruin your life. Um, yeah, surround yourself with people that support you because you can get better and you will. You just got to give it time. And also asking for help isn't a sign of weakness. Yeah. Nah. Sign of strength. If nah, it's, you know, this, yeah. Better. Yeah. Well, you know, like um, when I initially uh, realised that I was unwell, everything unravelled in my life. Um, but it was going to happen anyway. Um. The yeah, realizing that I was unwell and getting the help uh, because I I knew I was unwell um, helped me get my life back together. Whereas if you are denying that you have issues, your life's going to fall apart anyway, man, and. If you don't think you got a problem, then you're just going to go angry and bitter and people will cut you off and you'll hate them. But they'll have every right to cut you off because you're being a douchebag. And you want <laughs> to, to go for more unsavoury me- coping mechanisms like drugs and, you know. Yeah. Smoking meth and you know drinking huge amounts of alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's yeah. Just if you think you may have a problem, ask your loved ones. If they think, if they somewhat agree with you. Go to your GP and say, look, I, I think I need help. And we have a wonderful medical system in Australia. You'll get your, your uh, mental health plan. You can get your 10 bloody uh, psych visits and go and see a professional. And it'll get paid for because we live in a beautiful country that's not America. Um, And you will get better. For the people who are hesitant about speaking up about this because they think, oh, you know, they're going to put me away, they're going to not let me see my kids, I'm going to lose my job, you know, what what are the range of treatment options and... and, and, um, you know, what, what might people expect? Well, they're not going to put you away for, for just having a generic mental health disorder. Um, if you, like, have to be hospitalised against your own will, you know, yeah, you don't, you don't have a choice. Like it's that that's something where there is no denying that there is something majorly wrong. Um, yeah, like it. Yeah, people, you, you're not just going to go to the public psych ward and be held there forever. Um, it just doesn't happen. It, it, yeah, it just it doesn't happen. Um, Look, I, I don't I, I don't know what civilian world has going for it in relation to keeping your job. Um, it is a worry. It's a it's an absolute worry. But you're probably gonna lose your job anyway because you're gonna fuck up. And uh, yeah. If if you know that you've got a problem, 
and you're trying to help yourself grow through it and you fuck up, then you can try and fix it. Yeah. But if you're trying to deny it and just keep on going hunky-dory, you're going to turn into a scumbag. And lose everything, you know, maybe your spouse, maybe your family, maybe your job, maybe, you know, your whatever it is. If you'll lose the whole nine yards. You'll lose the roof over your head. You'll abuse everybody in your life because you think it's their problem and their fault. And, no, it's your fault. And you've, yeah. Like, I am so lucky to have an amazing wife who has stood by me through the terrible things that I've gone through and done. I'm incredibly lucky. Um, and you have two beautiful children, which is such a great motivation to be better and to keep yeah, yeah to keep on trucking on. Because uh, yeah, no matter how dark, no matter how dark times get, um, I know in reality. The kids do. The kids do need me. Um, yeah, even when I am dark and I'm like, oh no, they'd be so much better if I disappeared. They wouldn't. Absolutely not. You would still be such a light to their lives, whether you're feeling like you're in a bad place or not that you're still their dad. Yeah, and I'm not I, – I, Ella and I try to be very open and honest about our, my mental health as well. So hopefully we're teaching our kids to, to know that in the future if they – come across mental health difficulties, they can uh, put their hand up and go, oh, I'm suffering, and have proper ways to work through it. And, you know, they see me working through my dark times and, yeah, it can, I hope it can only serve to strengthen them in, in, in their later years. Um, my cousin, who is a wonderful, wonderful man, suffers from the black dog incredibly bad. Um, and uh, he and my actual cousin, sorry, his wife is my cousin, but, yeah, whatever. They've raised two kids who are now in their 20s and they are just incredible children, just, well, not children, young adults. They're just wonderful people and, you know, they they can sort of go in life a little step ahead where when they have mental health problems, which everybody will go through at some point in time, um, they've got a head start where they can go, oh, yeah, I've seen this. I've seen this happen before. I can work through this. And, yeah. You have a kind of, I guess, a, a way of recognising it and a way of dealing with it and, and this kind of experience as you become older that that um, makes you, I guess, more wise and intelligent about the different aspects of what it means to be a human. You know, kids can kids who have been around it can grow up with that kind of wisdom. And awareness, you know, self-awareness that I just... <laughs> Never, ever had. Um, and I, I still 
don't have it as much as I'd like to. Um, yeah, but yeah, self awareness is yeah a massive thing that I'm hoping that they will learn. Well, that 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 will be a very great thing to be able to give your children as they grow, because life is hard. You know, it's hard. It's hard for everybody at certain stages. So to be able to have those tools pulled up is is going to serve yeah, you. Well. No, no teacher at school is going to tell you that in the real world of work and jobs that life actually really sucks. And if you're not good enough, you don't get a merit badge, you get the sack. Like, and they'll treat you like shit until you, if they can't sack you, they'll treat you like shit until you quit. You know, like it's just the big world is not what, you know, merit badges for coming last. It's you get nothing for coming last and, you have to, and you will come last sometimes, and you just got to suck it up and carry on. Well, there's so much that they don't teach you in school. You just have to live through it, or have the people around you live through it and experience it. That that's how you learn. Yeah. Yeah. Live through it, and you you become better, stronger, more compassionate. A bloody good poet like you are, eh? Are you still doing your poetry? I am. I am. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Well, should we uh, wrap this up, Ash? Yeah, mate. Cool. <laughs> cool. Well, I, I wish you all He's the good team, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody. That, that was a good idea, wasn't it? Hey, like I, I don't condone drinking, but that was a good idea. The drink definitely helps. Just, just yeah. adjust the nerves. <laughs> 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 All right, I'm gonna just uh... cut it there. Please share this story with anyone you feel may benefit from hearing it. Or if you or someone you know have your own story to share, feel free to drop me an email at m at mnwords.media. <laughs>